What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 231st episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. It is super effective. Speaking of super effective, we have Travis here. I've been thinking a lot about Pokemon's marketing decisions regarding Z-moves. I really think they should have been called Y-moves because that appeals to me because every morning I ask myself, why move? Yep, that's a joke. Man, no, I was proud is- of that one. I didn't get a single laugh. No, flat as a pancake. Uh, I was away from a my mic, but pancake. I definitely smiled a bit. That other voice you hear is Will. And I've been cooking tonight, cooking up some of your words from last week so I can make you eat them. Okay, I don't know what that means, but all right. You and Logan went on and on. Oh, isn't the 3DS a dying piece of hardware? Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. And then all of First a sudden off, today, I didn't, we uh, found out that it's a beautiful flower in full bloom. First off, <laughs> I didn't say it was, I didn't say Nintendo was doomed or anything like that. And if, uh, no, 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 3DS, if, 3DS. If they want to keep putting shovelware like Mario Maker on the 3DS, and I say it's shovelware because there's zero online play for that game. So what Yet. is the point of buying it? Pikmin. Pikmin is not even the real Pikmin. It's like a 2D side-scroller. See all these uh, reject games they're bringing to it? I don't want any of that. There's not a single game they showed that I was interested in. The only thing that I was interested in was it took them six or seven years to update the Mi Plaza from 10 people to 100 people. Oh, nice. And you know what? As exciting as that was, that should have happened a decade ago. <laughs> My true point of pride is I have now made Steve sigh, I believe, three times this evening. Yes. And, Congrats and we're to hardly, me. Yeah, we're hardly even into the episode. We're, ah. we're on, this is this is a world record pace. I got tangled in my headphones here. I was that oh. angry. Um, how is that possible? I don't know how that's possible. I think I can let my cat out. All right. So this is a Pokemon podcast. I was not very thrilled with the Nintendo Direct this morning uh, because... Like I said, I don't, I don't, personally, my personal opinions, I don't care. For Mario Maker on the 3DS, I don't think the, the lack of online play is a huge, like, why even bother getting the game? The Wooly, Yoshi's Wooly World wasn't good on the Wii U. I don't know why they think it'd be any better on the 3DS. And what was the other game? Pikmin. I didn't see any Pikmin, but I like Pikmin because it's like a mini RTS, not because it's a side-scroller. So those are my, just, those are my thoughts. I think they're releasing some Zelda amiibos. I know Travis loves Zelda. Yeah, I fell asleep when you said Zelda and amiibo in the same <laughs> sentence. I am excited for the Street Pass stuff. You can get 100 Street Passes now instead of 10 at a time. That's super exciting because I'm going to PAX tomorrow. Transition. We're recording this on Thursday night to make sure that you guys have this on Monday. But if if you're listening to this on Monday, you'll probably already have missed and or my live podcast at PAX would have already happened, which I'll hopefully be recording that too. But uh, I will be at PAX. I think I said this last episode. None of this information is going to be relevant, but I'll be at PAX Saturday, Sunday, Monday. If you're around and you want to say hi, I'll have Pokemon Go buttons that I'm handing out depending on what team you're on. So that's a thing. So we're recording this on Thursday night to make sure we get something out. There hasn't been a lot of Pokemon news since our last podcast. We do have the news from the Nintendo Direct, and we're going to be catching up. This 
show is primarily going to be email focused. I have so many emails. Some of them are outdated and aren't even relevant to the current topic. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through as many emails as we can. And if you sent in an email and we didn't answer it, they're just going to get deleted because they're too old. And I flagged all the ones that are, are worth reading. And that sounds harsh. But if we didn't get your email, it's probably lost. And I apologize because we haven't done an email show in forever. But I encourage you to resend that email back in so we can get it next time because I want to get better at that. And yeah, that's my fault. We, we let too many emails stockpile. Now we have this email palooza that we got to do. Uh, Travis, can I do you, do you notice something? I noticed that Steve said emu palooza and that made me think about the website emu paradise which was an illegal emulator thing i used when i was younger to play uh, a weird game called uh god what was that game called it was a it was an rpg that was sort of a precursor to pokemon in some ways where it was an rpg and you played as little robot guys metabots super nintendo dragon quest Uh, it was called uh, monster rancher robo trek i think it was called robo trek that went to an incredibly dark place that I wasn't expecting. I mostly was concerned with the fact that he said, we let the emails sit and get old. Well, yeah, that, was yeah, that was solely just... Mr. Stephen Black Jr. If, if you guys didn't turn these into two-hour episodes, we'd have plenty of time. <laughs> oh, if we didn't talk so much. Yeah, you're Ooh. blaming me when I'm always the person saying, can we please move on to something else when we're talking about <laughs> Zelda or Destiny or what have you. Hey. Oh, hey, the new Destiny's coming out. Thanks for bringing that up. That no, is Bun- Bungie is going to be at PAX. I'm real excited. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the little bit of Pokemon news that we have here. Uh, first bit of news is the uh, Victini is now available for digital download over the American region... Nintendo Network, that's going to be able... You can download Victina via X and Y or Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. And I believe that goes till the end of the month. Your Darkrai codes are expired. If you have a Darkrai code sitting in your desk, I say that because I'm looking at one right now. I've redeemed Darkrai. This is just an extra code. I don't know if it works or not, but Darkrai is expired. What was last month? Arceus? Yep. Yeah, I got a code somewhere for that. I think most of those codes take like 60 or 90 days to expire. So you're, you're safe for the most part. The news that broke this morning from the Nintendo Direct are two specific things here. The first one is they showed a new form of an Alolan Pokemon. That Pokemon is Rattata. Rattata, however you pronounce it. Rattata, some people say. I feel like we Rattata is in the anime and we would have heard its pronunciation by now. Is it Rattata or Rattata? Rattata is what I have always... Yeah, I believe but it's I, Rattata. Yeah. I like Ratata. I don't know. I say everything well, no, wrong, no, so that makes sense. No, you're confused because you like the music group Ratatat. I mean, I to be honest, I I have known of Ratata Ratata before the musical group Ratatata. Now you're real confused. What? Well, let's be frank here. The Pokemon came before the musical band. True. So who's ripping off who now? Neither, because they're both spelled completely separately, That's, differently. You're not wrong. How do you guys feel about similarly? How do you guys feel about this Alolan Pokemon? It is a dark normal. Po- I have the press release here. It is the dark normal Pokemon? It has a super sweet stash. Super sweet is debatable. To make it evil, I think it's pretty cute. Although I'm not 
floored by it because it seems like a very similar treatment that Meowth got. Although I really love Alolan Meowth, and I don't immediately have that reaction to Alolan Rattata. So my reaction is, oh, they did the Meowth thing again, but not quite as good. So I don't love it quite as much as I love Alolan Meowth. But I think it's cute, and I think the typing is awful. Rattata has more... Like, I can see distinct differences in Rattata's design compared to Alolan Meowth. That's fair, although... You got the mustache, you got the ears, you got the tail, and then on the stomach, you got the the pattern on its belly is slightly different. And Meowth, I think, is just the eyes, besides the skin color. And the way it stands, and it does the funky walk like an Egyptian. The important thing about Alolan Meowth is the swagger. But But the pose isn't cosmetic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's that's the definition of cosmetic. I could I could take a normal meowth and put it in that same pose. Could you? you? No, you could not. How could I not? I could grab its arms and make it Egyptian like. You're gonna power up Blender and import the <laughs> uh, meowth model and 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 go wild. Like, sure, you could do that. Why do you have but, to use but, Blender for that? <laughs> Now I've made Travis sigh. I'm just hitting them all tonight. <laughs> they kicked me from the call. <laughs> I, 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 I will concede that my preference of Alolan Meowth over Alolan Rattata is purely subjective. I really like the attitude that Alolan Meowth has. And because we saw that one first and I already loved it, I think that means I'm inclined to think that it's a, I mean, I think it's undeniable that it's a similar treatment that Alolan Rattata got, not not just because it's also a dark type now, but I feel like the way in which it was made a dark type is coming from a similar concept of applying nefarious or 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 villainous cosmetic traits onto the existing Pokemon. Um, and so... Even though Rattata has is more Alolan Rattata is more distinct from Rattata than Alolan Meowth is from your typical Meowth, I still like Alolan Meowth more. And because Alolan Rattata isn't doing a lot that Alolan Meowth isn't already doing, yeah. The description I have here is Alolan Rattata is dark normal, unlike ordinary Rattata. Urban areas are Alolan Rattata's main habitat. They are nocturnal and they live in nests of several dozen. Alolan Rattata have an excellent aptitude for sniffing out delicious fresh, fresh foods in Alola. They pay no attention to if the foods that are not fresh. Alolan Raticade serves as their boss. I'm interested to see what Alolan Raticade looks like. Yeah, I think with all the Nintendo Direct stuff and the Rattata, and especially Snorlax, which we'll get to, I think a lot of people miss the fact that they mentioned that there will be an Alolan Raticade, which is interesting because that would then assume that we would get an Alolan Persian and an Alolan Execute. Am I? Would you guys agree with me? I agree with you. Yeah, it is further evidence in that conclusion. I can't wait I mean, for a dragon-type execute. <laughs> and then an, Al- an Alolan Cubone, because we've only seen Marowak. Right. 
I mean, it's a given that you can go up. Like, how can an Alolan Pokemon like Rattata or Meowth not evolve into another Alolan Pokemon? It's possible. Yeah, sure. yeah. it's possible it, yeah, that and, yeah. And it's it goes against the general design philosophy of evolution, where well, I guess that's not necessarily the case. I was going to say you always want to evolve your Pokemon. That's always what the game's been about. But then you have instances where choosing not to evolve a Pokemon, especially in the case of Pokemon that evolve with stones allows you to get access to moves you wouldn't typically get. So I guess there is precedent for having a reason not to evolve your Pokemon, but we've never had a reason as drastic as I lose this special form that's never been in another game before. Right. Yeah. I just don't dig the mustache on this Reddita. If you don't like it, what were you? You were you were you you were playing devil's advocate over there, and I had to say Alolan <laughs> Meowth was the greatest thing because of how you liked the stupid Rattata. I don't. I I mean I don't I don't really care for Rattata at all, and the the mustache just doesn't do it for me. You're asking you're you're blaming us for making these shows long, and you're over here fighting tooth and nail for Alolan <laughs> Rattata like it's a like it's a. I would be a bad host if I didn't play both sides or. Or if it would not be a very interesting show if we all agreed on the same thing for the sixty minutes. That that's fair. The the uh, Kickstarter episode is evidence of that. Oh, don't bring that up again. I hope that episode burns. Uh there's a there's a horror AU uh, alternate universe fiction of this podcast called Shadow of Omanite. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! I don't know if any other Pokemon besides Jellicent have a mustache, but I feel like with Alolan Meowth's attitude, swanky and Egyptian, and it has this presence that they're really trying to capture, I feel like Alolan Rattata is also trying to capture something, whether, like, my my mind first went to Maybe this is like appealing to the people who like mustaches, where they get the little mustache tattoo on their finger. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, those people are the yeah, worst. Yeah, welcome, welcome to like 2003 or whatever. Right? Well, that, that's fixed my- gear bike. <laughs> oh, sorry, your unicycle. It's so supposed to be like dick. No. It's supposed to be like dick dast- dastardly. Or like the cut the mugs with the mustache on. So when you're drinking, it looks like you have a mustache. And Garbage. that's my point. Is like I feel like this Pokemon probably would have really hit home a couple years ago when the mustache thing was at its height i don't i'm sure it's i'm sure those people still love their mustaches and their their mustaches with mustaches i'm just not i'm just not a mustache if any of our i want to apologize if any of our listeners have mustache tattoos and i'm and fixed gear bikes and unicycles and i just made you feel bad take those those away no first off it's Vinny, and second off um I'm glad I made you laugh. But the true thing is the Alolan Rattata was designed... You say Rattata, I say Rattata. Let's call the whole thing fine. <laughs> The Alolan Rattata was designed to appeal to people who still use the word dastardly to describe things. Period. Well, it's supposed to be like the like your mustache twirling villain. villain. Like Dick Dastardly. Yes. Like the VOD villains in WWE. Nobody watches that garbage anymore. <laughs> You're the only fan. Yep. 
<laughs> no offense to wrestlers who have previously appeared on this program who I enjoy your work. Yeah, like a week actually. ago, right? <laughs> uh, like, like, like last week? Last week, there was re- we've had two wrestlers on since. Technically, that dude is not WWE. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So I think we're out of the way here with Rata. I will keep calling it how I call it. You guys keep calling it how you call it. Let's move on to the Snorlax news. So they showed a trailer. It showed both these Pokemon. I'm going to read from the press release here. The Pokemon Company International and Nintendo unveil details about the unique Munchlax that evolves into pulverizing Snorlax. For those who purchase Pokemon Sun and Moon by Wednesday, January 11th, 2017, a new regional variant Pokemon, Alolan Rattata, was also unveiled for the video game that is launching on November 18th, 2016, exclusively on the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. The early purchase bonus, Munchlax, must be received by players via internet connection by January 11th, 2017. It is ho- holding a special item called Snorlium Z. By evolving Munchlax into Snorlax and having it hold Snorlium Z, Snorlax becomes able to use a special Z-move that cannot be used by any other Pokemon, Pulverizing Pancake. The bonus Munchlax will also know the move Hold Back, which it can nor- normally not learn. Hold Back is an attack move that leaves the opponent with just one HP. It can reliably weaken an opposing Pokemon, so it can be handy when trying to catch wild Pokemon. The Munchlax being gifted will also know the move Happy Hour, another move it can normally not learn. When players use Happy Hour during a trainer battle, they will receive twice as much prize money after the battle for their adventure. There you go. Do not operate heavy machinery after using Snorlium Z. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the whole Mega Stone... You got it. ...disaster again? Is another thing that we have to collect that will not transfer to another game because you can't transfer items? You got it. That's your answer is correct. I was never that. Well, maybe maybe I was and I just don't remember it, but I don't remember finding it that obnoxious to gather megastones. Megastones only between eight and nine o'clock at night. And yeah, but like, but but I mean, if if it was fun to collect them, sure, I wouldn't be a little bitter. But I, I, I guess as someone who is only going to really care about if I have it or not, if I actually plan on using that Mega Pokemon in some sort of setting, it's just, okay, I turn on my 3DS at that time and I grab the one I need. I can understand why less fun if you're actually, if you're doing it purely for collection, I can understand that. But yeah, they're doing the same thing. I uh, pre-ordered the... Z-Ring. One of the things you can pre-order with the Z-Ring are these little triangle diamond looking gems. The same thing that you would see above Mega Snorlax or whatever they're calling this. They don't use the word Alolan. They don't use the word Wet Mega. They just say this is called Pulverizing Snorlax. I guess that's what you call it. Pulverizing Snorlax. Pulverizing Pancake Snorlax. The, the triangle-looking thing, diamond, that appears over Snorlax's head is the same shape as the crystal that you put into the Z-Ring. And you can buy nine different crystals for $20. They're different colors. So you can put into your Z-Ring. 
So, of course, I pre-ordered that, too, because money's no good in the bank. That is true. So now I have this $50 package of plastic coming to me. I don't know when. I don't even know when it ships. I just put it in my cart and it checked out on Amazon. But that would... That toy right there has led me to believe there's going to be a bunch of these little crystals everywhere. And I don't know if... Like, this is specifically Snorium Z. So that one crystal only works with one Pokemon? My my guess is that given that we have already learned that there is a Z-move for every type, and now we just learned that there are special exclusive Z-moves for... Uh, in the case of the ones we learned, Snorlax with Pulverizing Pancake, and I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself, but also Alolan Raichu with uh, something surfboard. Surfing Pikachu slam. US- USA. Um, yeah. My guess is that to use the exclusive ones, which are probably not going to be on that many Pokemon, you would need a Snorlium Z or a Rachulium Z, but to just use Doom Gloom with uh, Oddish, you probably don't. And in order to or get Doom Bloom, the, whatever it's called, in order to get the Snorlium Z and the Rachulium Z, you have to buy the Z ring and get the stones that come with it. There you go. So there's also you can't pre-order it on Amazon yet, but there is like this like slab that I've seen in pictures where you can put your crystals into it and they hold 18 spots. So I should have looked this up. There's 18 types, right? Uh, it sounds like a number. That's right. I feel like there's 18 <laughs> types. I feel like, do you know anything about Pokemon? Is there 18 types? Yeah. Before fairy, there was 17. You are correct, sir. Okay. So the slabs hold 18 types. Unless you count bird type. Yeah, bird type or space type. Or question mark, question mark, question Moon mark type. type. Mm. Yeah, but so I'm assuming... Will and I were listing things that were actually in a game at oh, some point. Oh, I see. I, I, so the, the $20 thing that I bought was nine different types. And I don't know if the Z-ring comes with anything. I don't know what I'm getting. I just know that these crystals now are going to exist in the world and we have to collect them. And they're called Snorlium Z. And you already bought them. I bought something. <laughs> <laughs> so wait did amazon take your money now or do they take your money when they ship something amazon always takes your money when they ship they never take your okay. money up front all right so i originally That's pre-ordered the z-ring on toys r us and then when i saw amazon had it canceled my toys r us and i went to amazon because i need to get them points i don't know anything about points but sure <laughs> can we talk about something that's really disappointing take one one small step away from the snorliums and the the Z gems and such. I had hoped truly, truly, and from the deepest core of the pit where my heart once lived, that there would be 150 um, Alolan form. No, 150 Alolan form of all the Gen 1, all the Gen 1 Pokemon will get an Alolan form. And the reveal of Munchlax and Snorlax as being just regular normal types and not having Alolan forms has destroyed that for me. What what little embers left of crumbs at the bottom of that pit where my heart used to be <laughs> have blown away in the cold winds of a winter of I discontent. Don't get what they're doing though. Like why is Snorlax not a mega and why is Snorlax not a Lolan? 
And that just leaves me to believe that Mega was definitely the gimmick of X and Y, and they're probably not going to come back. And that leaves me to believe stuff like Primal Kyogre and Primal Groudon was the gimmick to Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and they're not coming back. Like, right? That's the impression I get. And why, why, why do I care about pulverizing Snorlax? Because it's only going to stick around for three years, and then that gimmick is over. Well, you care about it while you play the game, and then you don't care about it when it's not necessary anymore, and the mechanics change. I guess, but then that doesn't that also leave, lead you to believe that the Alolan Pokemon are the gimmick, and you can maybe get super attached to Alolan Raichu and go, oh, like I can only play that in Sun and Moon, and now we're on to Mars, and that version doesn't have Alolan Raichu, and that was one no. of my favorite Pokemon. No, no. That uh, typing, that kind of thing, no. That they, they will not take that away from us. What, Alolan Raichu? Correct. No, they, they just took away our Megas. That's different. That's a battle mechanic. That's not a real Pokemon. What? And you have no guarantee that they have taken away Megas. You're right. I how's don't have... How's that spiky-eared Pichu treating you, Will? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you're right. I, I have no clue if they have removed Megas or not, but at the rate they have not brought stuff back and have introduced all these new, new things, especially with Snorlax not being Alolan and being this pulverizing form or whatever they're calling it. It's just weird. Just doesn't... It doesn't gel with you in your mind? Yeah, it's, it's almost like they dumped a puzzle out in front of you, but they didn't show you what the puzzle was yet, and so it's difficult to put that together. Well, good. Then maybe there will be some surprises when we actually get to play the game. Maybe. Versus having everything spoiled. But here's something. Let me blow your already gelatinous mind that's not gelling. What if they introduce a special Mega Battles area, and only in that area you can continue to use Megas? You mean just Kangaskhan? Of course. (laughs) I wouldn't be too surprised if Alolan Pokemon... I mean thinking about how you had certain like like think of Deoxys for a second that Pokemon is when when Gen 3 came out that is a that is a gimmicky Pokemon with the, <laughs> all the different forms I mean Deoxys is great but when it came out I mean now it doesn't feel as gimmicky because there's so many Pokemon with alternate forms but when it came out it was unique for having all of those different forms and when the new games, when Gen 4 came out, Gen 4 had a way for you to switch between Deoxys' forms. And then Gen 5, like each one has a slightly different way of activating those forms from what was just a gimmick in Gen 3. And I wouldn't be surprised, as Will is saying with Megas, if maybe there's some, uh, oh, I'm a, I'm from Alola and I've moved here to Future Region and... And I can help you import all of your Alolan. But, you know, like I wouldn't be astonished if they had that sort of backwards compatibility, at least for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Or or every time you battle me, you have a chance to get a uh, Snorlium or whatever yeah. other gem is necessary. But you can only use those gems in this special battle arena, the arena that's yeah. set aside from the rest of the game. To me, it just seems like the Snorlium Z is just, I keep using the word gimmick, but... It's like they watched Yokai Watch 
and they were like, what works there? Okay, people like to collect these coins, these like chips to put in their watch. Is that correct? I'm, I'm assuming you both have seen Yokai Watch, which is probably wrong. <laughs> I, I I know for the the I don't know how it is in the show is what I'm saying, but I know the toy. If you're thinking I have played a video game. The answer is probably no. I, I'm I'm assuming the actual toy. So the the watch toy that you can get, you can do blind bags of these like coins, and so you don't. For our listeners that don't know what a blind bag is, a lot of toys do this where you buy a bunch of bags and you don't know what you're getting and then when you open it it's like oh this coin is you have a one in ten chance of getting this coin or this coin you have a one in two hundred chance so that's how they just sell it's just like the trading card game that's how they sell all these little plastic coins is because they're blind so you don't know you never know which one you just can't go into the store and say oh i want the i want the shaman coin it's like no shaman's actually one out of one thousand coins your snorlium z your little crystal that you can get is just a way that they're going to blind box these in the future. So almost like Amiibos where you go to Toys R Us and you go, oh, look at all these bags. I don't know which one's which. I don't know. I'll buy like 20. Oh, okay. Four of them were Pidgeys. All right. I guess I'll put them on eBay for a dollar because no one wants them because it's the common one. It just seems like that's the mechanic they're going with the game. Whether that's bad or good, I mean, I'll leave that up to you. Some people like to collect stuff, some people don't. Some people like to spend money outside of Pokemon, some, some people don't. But it just seemed like, it just seems like they wanted a way to make money outside of the game and to boost their merchandise. And then in return, that mechanic is coming back into the game. And it's not, it doesn't seem like it's fun. As much as I hate capitalism, I, I, I'm totally fine with this as long as Z moves provide an interesting gameplay mechanic. And it seems like they do. The idea of a, a powerful move that you have to save for only one opportunity in the entire battle. I would say it's probably more interesting than a mega evolution, which is just something that I feel like was despite the, the granted, there were a lot of very cool aesthetically designed mega evolution Pokemon but mechanically speaking, it wasn't that cool of a mechanic because there weren't that many instances where it was strategic for you not to mega evolve. So instead of being this ace in the hole, which was sort of the promise sold of mega evolution, it was just a it was basically just here's another Pokemon because you're never going to use the unmega evolve version with the exception of things like. I don't know. Uh, I think Rayquaza had airlock before it mega evolved, so you might want to hold one turn to, or not mega. I'm yeah. trying to think of a good. Ex- there's another. They example. did it in the finals at Worlds. One person like held its mega evolved for like yeah, two forms, yeah. and then they did it. But they were protecting the entire time, from what I remember. And that is definitely the exception, right? Like you don't see that with, you don't see that with. Mega Kangaskhan. You you just evolve it because it's better now. Um, and there are there are things like like Gengar gets shadow tags. So you want to use that at the right spot. But generally, a Mega Evolution is just here's your Pokemon, but now it's better. And I think that Z moves could potentially, if if they're done correctly, provide an instance where something like I need a way to get out of this bad situation I've gotten myself in. So. Um, the Z move that I've put in 
might limit my move pool because I can only have I can only use this move slot once, but it gets me out of a bad situation. Like it, it it's sort of like a for it forgives you for making maybe a strategic mistake where you end up in a bad situation. And even if you have like a grass type against a fire type Pokemon, say because and I keep using this one because it's the only one whose name I know, uh, Doom Bloom, which I'm probably still getting wrong, um, is so powerful it can even get me out of that situation. I I, I think there is potential for that to be strategically more interesting than Mega Evolution was. So even if the initial reasoning for it was to sell more toys, as long as the the game ends up being cooler for it, I don't I don't care. And and I'll give you one one other argument for why Z moves are a variation or move away from Mega Evolution. With Mega Evolution, you you got that power boost and then you were stuck with it. So it was kind of like there's there as you were saying, minimal strategy to Mega Evolving. You just did it at the beginning of the game unless um and I will give you a good example, Mega Mawile, which starts Mawile has Intimidate. So you might hold back on Mega Evolving it until you've used it, switched it in and out to Intimidate a few times. In that now with Z moves, there's a timing component that you may not want to waste your Z move right up front and actually save it for more of a Hail Mary type maneuver later in the game. And also, I don't think we have full clarification on whether it is required that the Pokemon hold the gem in order to use the Z move. So that kind of returns the ability to use items with the powered up move option. Do we not have, con- did it never say that the Pokemon has to hold the gem or stone or whatever they call it? No, it didn't say that. It said that Munchlax comes with the Snorlium Z, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to yeah. like just hand it to you for you to use. Well, well, you two keep talking. I'm going to go, I'm going to go look up some of the older stuff and see if it says it there. Okay. What? Travis will. You're gonna do research. Research. Yeah, I'm curious. Away. I thought you had to hold it, but we've gotten plenty of things wrong on the show. Let's. What? Never. Let's move on to some emails. All right. I'm just gonna go through these emails. They're probably in. They're in no particular order here. Uh, Grant writes in says, I was exploring the site, something I haven't done for a while, and I found a survey about the show. I'm having a hard time with the 1 to 10 scale. I can't easily determine whether I am satisfied or not, or having a hard time deciding how satisfied or unsatisfied I am. What advice can you give me on this serious problem? It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. I don't understand the question. Concerned about how he or she? Concerned about, very concerned about how satisfied or not satisfied they are. In general, with life? With, with, with the show. Well, nobody's asked them to do a 1 to 10 scale. Uh, there's, a sur- no, there's a survey on the site. Will. Oh. Hey, I haven't written an article for that site in like two years, so don't blame me. Here's the thing. If you're dealing with a 1 to 10 scale, and you're having difficulty in truly quantifying your reaction or ability to rate uh, said requested object, is to first... Break the 1 to 10 scale down into a 1 to 5 scale. So you take each of two stars and you group them together to make them an individual rating level. So you are going from uh, very dissatisfied, dissatisfied, neutral, 
satisfied or very satisfied. And you should be able to judge for yourself where you fall amongst those areas. Neutral literally means I have no feeling one way or the other. You know, very satisfied means not only did I enjoy the experience, but I would recommend it to other people. Very dissatisfied would mean I really did not enjoy the experience and I would tell other people not to do it. So we're uh, we're cutting all this out, right? No, I'm giving advice. We're 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 pros at advice, Travis. You do your little research thing. A Z ring is required in order to perform Z moves. A Pokemon can only use a Z move if the trainer is wearing a Z ring with a Z crystal set in it that matches the Z crystal the Pokemon holds. Oh, how disappointing! There you go. Anyways, to finish my advice. Once you have selected which of the areas you fall within, then you would select um, a whether you very strongly feel that way or whether you have some reservations within yourself about your true strength of conviction towards that selection and pick the star out of the two that most matches that selection there. Let me tell you, I like to live in a world of no sevens. I think that rating anything a seven is the biggest disservice you could ever do. Let me explain why. If you were frying food, for example, and I was the chef and you gave me a seven, you're telling me that this is, this is good, this is acceptable, but you're not telling me that you, I would rather hear that, I, would, I, wouldn't, I don't want to hear that it's just average or okay. I want to hear whether you love it or you hate it. When somebody goes to do a seven, I would advise you to... Pretend the seven isn't there and go with a six or an eight, because I think that's more dramatic. If I see an eight, I feel like, yeah, eight is a good number. It's close to 10. It's, it's above that average of seven. And a six is more like, it's not quite there. And that is obvious improvement, where a seven is just so blah. Well, I try to live in a world of no sevens. Six or eight, if, be a no. little more extreme. Sevens Steve don't help. Just- Seven don't help. Just afraid of, you're just afraid of seven because seven, eight, nine. <laughs> seven, eight, nine. That's true. In my methodology, a five or a six means that you don't care one way or the other, while a seven or eight means you actually enjoyed the experience, with the seven being you enjoyed the experience, but you're not really certain well, let me, how here, much Let me you position it this way, Will. If you, were, if you were reading a review for a new set of headphones... Would you buy those headphones if they were rated 7 out of 10? Or would you buy, uh, would you buy headphones that were rated like 8 out of 10? <laughs> Neither, because I never read ratings and my name is not SBJ. So I just buy whichever is the cutest looking oh one on me. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like for me, no, a 7, wait, a seven wait, wait, out of wait, 10 no, is no, like, yeah, I could back. probably buy that. Would I buy a pair of headphones that were 6 out of 10? No, absolutely not. Steve, you know exactly how I buy. Oh, I almost swore. You know exactly how I buy things. I send a text message. I send a Slack message to a Mr. Stephen Black Jr. And I say, which one of these should I buy? <laughs> yes. I and then I all the reviews. Right. Which is the right one? And well, I am a great box fan on Woot right now. And <laughs> <laughs> we spent too much time on this question. Let's move on. It's a very controversial question, no, it's obviously. A- it's a great My question. My methodology for, for uh, this type of survey is to say, I didn't study, throw up my papers in the air and run out of the room. It's a great <laughs> question. God. World of no sevens. That's my advice. But Will's advice was also good. 
Julian writes in and says, what is your favorite ability? Cannot wait for season two of D&D. Well, I think everybody knows my favorite ability, and it's quite obvious. Is it? Ooh. Fine. Maybe not. <laughs> what would you guess is my favorite ability? Whatever Victini has. No. It's a tough question. I don't know. Yeah, what's your favorite ability? How is this? Is, I, feel is like this one, really I feel like one of the most useful abilities is the Intimidate ability. Intimidate's uh, great. Prankster is also great. Prankster's really good. I, I like Prankster. I'm amazed that you guys you know, spent I, an entire three hours with me. I really like pressure as an ability. I think it's a really cool concept, except that PP up really kind of negates the quote unquote pressure that that ability can instate in a battle. Yeah. Like if you so had if you could only use a move five times with pressure, you can only use it three times, and that can affect a fight but no one's gonna have five because they're gonna pp up yeah, there's limits on pp upping though yeah but i think it brings you to like eight or nine yeah, the 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 amount of matches where someone says oh, i lost because of dang pressure is 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 <laughs> next to zero that's true that is true i would i would go with pressure that would be mine i'm fully aware how broken it is but i think pressure is really cool all right travis what's your favorite I like Moxie. I realize it's not as good as as it seems generally, um, but it's it's still a fun risk reward type ability. Well, my favorite ability is one that only one Pokemon can have, and it's called Illusion that Mr. Zoroark has, even though you guys just hate Zoroark. Well, two Pokemon, Zorua also has it, but whatever. It's a cool runner ability. Runner-up a- is Gale Wings. Cool ability. Ew. What is I see exactly. <laughs> Stop the hate. And I don't know if I would even say Moxie is my favorite. I think I I I so closely associate abilities with the Pokemon that have them that I don't I guess I don't think about abilities in a vacuum like that. And I would probably give you a different answer every time you asked because because when I think Moxie, I think like I more think, oh, crocodile with Moxie or Oh, you're running Gyarados with Moxie instead of Intimidate. That's interesting. I never really think about Moxie on its own, I guess, or any ability for that matter. Well, you know what's a really good ability that everybody always forgets about? Technician. Technician is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's never everybody's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, technician. Yeah, we should get something with that. All right. All right. Next question is from Michael. Writes in here, hello, SG... Can't even say my own name. Hello, SBJ and crew. I know you have an eye for graphic design based on your swanky logos. Wondering what your thoughts on Pokemon's logo. What do you think of the typography and the yellow and blue highlights? Should the logo receive a full facelift to something less 90s or remain iconic or remain its iconic self? Look forward to seeing your response and thanks for the entertainment, Michael. That's a super great question. I don't know if if I talk about this a lot, but I went to school for graphic design and really everything on, on PokemonPodcast.com and the, the podcast art we do that, that is done is, is all from me. And I have a lot of backseat designers to thank like Micah or Logan or Jeff or anyone else that I ask for design advice from or just like th- bouncing at like, hey, what, how does this look or what do you think about this? And 
the question is, what do you think of Pokemon's logo? And yeah, I don't know. It's it's very nineties. What I I have my opinion, but what do you guys think? Oh, I think they are well due for an update. I think that designing for children's media is very different than anything else because you either have to be extremely flashy and extremely timely or so iconic that it seems like that's just always been the way that that is. And while I don't think that Pokemon's logo is that was that great originally, I think it's become sort of iconic in that way that that like kids enter the world and and Pokemon's logo has just always been like that. You know, people younger than us, Pokemon's logo has it, the the world has always existed in a way such that Pokemon has a logo that looks like that, you know, and in that way it it does that. I don't think that's very interesting or very compelling but it's certainly one way of going about things i see what you're saying travis i i would be on the fence that i feel like they could do a redesign and they could do it well and that it's long overdue i agree i'm just i was just trying to think uh, trying to make the point of what i bet their reasoning is for not changing it after all these years yeah because you could look at brands like pepsi or mountain dew or Apple has changed their logo. Microsoft has changed their logo. Most cars have changed their logos over nah, time. Nah, nah, nah. Volkswagen BMW. definitely did. Volkswagen did. They changed yeah, theirs. Vol- like Volkswagen a- is the shame of the universe right now, so we don't need to speak their name. <laughs> BMW, Mercedes, no. They still use the propeller designs from the Mercedes, 40s. though, got rid of their text, and now it's just the propeller. Their, their original logo did have text in it, though. Ford still has the the um, Cadillac changed their logo. No, More it's still the shield. Of- no, it's a different shield. They changed it. It's, <laughs> it's still a shield, but it's a different shield. Like you, like you can say like Pepsi's logo is still a swoosh, like it is, but they def- yeah. it's definitely a different swoosh. Yeah, I think more important comparisons are other logos for children's media. So I was just looking up Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. Their, Cartoon their Network station. has a super good logo logos and cartoon network has generally not changed i mean it it has had updates but it's the same concept that's just been modernized well yeah but the problem with the pokemon logo is it it literally has not changed yeah that's that's true one bit let me tell you what the worst thing about the pokemon logo is because I, i i think the pokemon logo is is fine for what it is it is not pixel to pixel perfect how it was in the 90s it's definitely more cleaned up and sharper. What's worse, worse than the Pokemon logo is people who use the Pokemon font as like their own <laughs> font to spell out For stuff. For YouTube thumbnails. And it is, it is the absolute worst. <laughs> like, see, like the worst thing about the Pokemon logo is probably its E. Its E is really bad. And the reason it works well in Pokemon's logo is because they moved it up in the in the line. So it's not sitting at the base as other letters. Like the O for Mon is on top of the M and the N. It's not just sitting in between the M and the N. That's why Pokemon's logo actually looks okay. But when you break that font apart and you put all those terrible letters together and you don't do the typesetting that Pokemon does, it is... Like watching somebody throw up on paper. It is the worst. So what you're saying is I shouldn't write all of my essays in the Harry Potter font? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Nothing but lightning bolts throughout. Do not... If, if you are a Pokemon YouTuber, if you're starting up, you know, a Pokemon website, don't use the Pokemon font. Just, it's not good at but all. If you do, all of the vowels are small and in the middle line, aligned with the middle horizontal axis, all of the consonants are uppercase and large. I... <sighs> No one can make that font look good. That font looks as good as it can in Pokemon's logo. <laughs> and it, it's not going to get any better than that. I'm ready for a new font. I'm ready for a new logo. The next question here is from Daniel C. First off, I love your podcast. I work the night shift at, night shift at a local supermarket. And these podcasts make my night great. I had so much fun with your three-hour podcast. I'd like to share a brief, pointless Pokemon Go story. So my wife and I live about 45 minutes from Palm Spring, California. When we can on Thursday evenings, we like to go to the street fair. The street it takes place is aligned with Pokestops. The last time we went there, we went with a group of other people playing Pokemon Go. And I had a nice leisurely stroll and used Pokemon Go for what I felt like was meant for exploring the world around me. It was so chill. I found a cute little toy store that I must have passed a hundred times. I found a sushi place that I've never seen and I enjoyed all the art that was on display. So yeah, a pointless story. Big thank you for making your podcast. Also, if you're taking Pokemon requests, Pokemon of the Week requests, Trubbish slash Garboder. I don't think we've ever done those. I don't think so either. I wonder if he knows my friend Colin, who also works overnight shifts in a grocery store. Probably. Hmm. Yeah. They, they, all, they have their own social network, the, the Piggly Wiggly Nightly. Well, no, Colin doesn't work at Piggly Wiggly, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, that it's just the name of the network. No, Welcome the to Piggly Wiggly After Dark. <laughs> uh, no, the network is just called The Night Shift. <laughs> well, not Valor. Not Valor. Maybe he's team no team like me. I uh, I got to I got to agree though. Uh, you know, I've lived in Milwaukee pretty much my whole life, and when I've went out and did Pokemon Go, I definitely noticed things I have never noticed before because of it. Yeah, it's cool. Does his job. Welcome to Kroger. Uncut. <laughs> Uncensored. Giant Eagle. Nightlife. I've never been to a Giant Eagle, but that's a grocery yeah, that's store, right? Real. Yeah. I feel like we mentioned it. I think it's cool that, uh, that you had that experience. I think that's things like that are a valiant goal for augmented reality. That I think the idea of an augmented reality game that can simultaneously be an escape and also a more attuned dive into reality um that's an interesting goal to have and i think that that can lead to some cool things like discovering a toy store you didn't know was there <laughs> tommy h writes in hey steve i discovered a the podcast a couple months ago and i love it i recently finished the three hour top 10 pokemon debate and i wanted to say a couple things about it number one it was incredibly incredibly is all caps it was incredibly entertaining. The friendly and not-so-friendly competitive argument kept things moving, and it actually felt like the episode <laughs> was over too quickly, despite having been three hours long. I am kind of upset Omanite made it on, but I am trying to stay positive for this message. Number two, I would wholeheartedly support you in all doing things similar to this in the future. They don't have to be top ten lists, but debate factor is almost always entertaining from a fan's perspective. Perhaps the debate could be on which Pokemon would be more the most dangerous if real or something. 
I mean, I don't know. You were the host. Number three, did Omanite really make the list? Seriously. Number four, <laughs> I'm trying to stay positive. Number five, thank you for all that you do. I look forward to future podcasts and events like this. Sincerely, Tommy. P.S. Travis is my favorite. Yay! What? For once. For once. It's That's never all right. You, you can have a fan. <laughs> you can have <laughs> a fan. I'm going to be like the... Um character in ghostbusters who answers the phone and screams we got one can can we uh, can we roll the tape no we don't we don't have the rights to that uh is that the guy from honey i shrunk the kids uh rick moranis yes that's the name of the guy right but no he he doesn't play the secretary i forget what actress plays the secretary i don't remember what her name is but she's the one that kind of talks like this in the movie you reach ghostbusters I don't remember. That's just they every, every cast the they they cast the 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 handsome one for 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 the reboot because it's sort of like an interesting switcheroo. That's that's what all New Yorkers sound like. So it's impossible to tell. <laughs> um, and and for all of our joshing about about uh, Travis having a fan, um, he has <laughs> one thousand three hundred and forty followers on Twitter, while William Anderson only has eight hundred and twenty six. Yeah, so some sort of solace. <laughs> I don't know where those 500 people or so have come from, but <laughs> can we step up our game, folks? I need everyone to get a Twitter account and follow me, but not follow Travis. Thank you. Yeah, Reply already did this bit. I uh, yeah, I feel like we've done this. The Ammonite issue that I want to address real quick. Oh God. You're part of the problem, Will. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> if you look at the, the, the 10 Pokemon that made the list, and I think it was, uh, it was probably one of the, the <laughs> most fun four hours I had. I mean, the podcast came out to like three hours and 20 minutes or something like that. So we were really stuck on a call together for four hours. I just find it weird that people are so mad that Ammonite made the list. And I say that because I think a lot of people missed that Ammonite was one of my favorite Pokemon. And the argument I used was the Twitch played Pokemon argument. That's not to say that doesn't discredit that Ammonite is one of my favorite Pokemon. The argument that Travis used for Meowth was, you know, his connection with Mystery Dungeon. And I think... If you were to compare the two, no one's arguing over Travis's love for Meowth came because of Mystery Dungeon, where people are upset that my love of Omanite became came because of Twitch played Pokemon. And so it's weird for people to be upset that Omanite made the list. And it makes me think maybe I shouldn't have used Twitch played Pokemon as my my wagon. Well, but that well, doesn't think, like well, that, that doesn't discredit that it's leaned- that that I like Omanite a lot. No, but yeah, but, problem, but that hardly came out in the episode. <laughs> yes, and and that is also a bold-faced lie. I don't. Omanite, Omanite is neither a duck nor a confusing <laughs> mammal that appears are, to look like a duck. That's true. He's so not, it he, cannot be your favorite Pokemon. That's true. I guess I was under the assumption that the the Pokemon we all picked were our ten favorites. Well, you didn't tell me that in preparing my list, because I would have had a different list. Okay, all right. I felt like I did. I felt like I did. 
And my other point, which would only cause you two to get more upset, is you both left Omanyte for the very end. If you hated it that much, you would have cut it earlier. Because nobody I, believed that that would actually survive. Yeah, Just, I, was sa- I was saving the easy one for last. And I will also counterpoint that I have caught a heck of a lot of heat from Zachary about not defending Jirachi. And if I had to hear that, hey, Jirachi one more was time, on my list. You know, I sh- in retrospect, I should have fought for Jirachi a little harder. But I was—I actually really like Victini, so I was—I was cool with seeing Victini so, there. So I think we can all agree that Omanite can be dropped, and we'll put Jirachi on. No, nah. I don't care about. Okay. Can, we've had this conversation about Omanite. Omanite like has seven the little like between the slack and like the, the tentacles. The... That's my tentacle sound. That is disgusting. He's really That's cool. Worse than me. Pasta salad and talking. He's cool. That argument is much more compelling to me than is the one you made on the actual podcast. The. <laughs> there you go, Travis's vote, Ammonite. Yeah, you got me. You I mean, got, I'm convinced. Sold. Where do we put an album lost in emails here? Yeah, I'll just remind our listeners that um, when I do eventually leave this podcast out of disgust, there are other podcasts where you can find me. Thank you. No one's going to take us after we've been on this garbage. <laughs> All right. So this one's from uh, Jeff. G-E-O-F-F. That's Jeff, right? Joff? Yep. No, that's Gurf. Gurf? Jeff. Gurf. Jeff. Steve, I enjoy the show. I want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you put into making such a value-added asset to the Pokemon community. Congrats on six years of casting. I've always been a purist when it comes to Pokemon, and I've avoided Game Sharks and action replays, but when it comes to trading, especially for events, how have you dealt with the insur- ensuring the vid- validity of your Pokemon? Is it even possible beyond a compare and contrast with Cerebi's event decks, which doesn't guarantee that it is fake? I miss the, ho- the Hoopa distribution and the event number uh, and have number of events from 2007 to 2010 era and he was asking, he's just saying that he missed these events, that how do you deal with trading? I don't know why I read that so weird. That's on me, not his email. I just read it so backwards. Uh, so what are your guys' thoughts? I would say that that concern is less of an issue if you can find a community that you trust. I remember there were, I remember in the Diamond and Pearl days, the, the Game FAQs forum. That's when on there online trading can- started, Diamond and Pearl, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. People were pretty honest on the game of AQs forum, if I remember correctly, of this is a legit Pokemon. This isn't hacked Pokemon. This is a they made weird weird categories like pseudo legit if it was if the parent was hacked, but the Pokemon that they bred from it was bred legitimately. And um and probably uh game of AQs is now a a terrifying circle of Hades at this point because that was years ago but um you know like a lot of people use our slack community for for trustworthy trading folks and you you might find a facebook group or or some sort of twitter community of people that you know okay susan's not gonna give the susan i can trust susan that her 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 ghastly is is legit yeah so i had three points one was very similar to what travis was saying that in our Slack community, do we we don't only have trustworthy trade people, but there's specifically a channel for trading where people help each other complete Pokedexes and things like that. Um, my second point is I personally have a rule 
that if it trades, it's legal because uh, the Pokemon company has implemented hack checks in their trading system. So if it passes those hack checks and it's good enough for the Pokemon company, it's good enough for me. No, nah, I don't trust and that at all. My third rule to go along with that is if after I receive it as a trade and I look at it and it doesn't look right, then I will dispose of it. But if it looks generally to be within the parameters of this is an acceptable uh, Pokemon, then I will accept it and keep it. Um, but I will also caveat all of that with uh, I trade very infrequently and I typically only trade with trusted partners. So there you go. I do not GTS, period, 100%, never. I don't GTS or wonder trade ever. I And when I do trade with people, those Pokemon go into a specific box. So any traded Pokemon that I have are in a specific box away from all my Pokemon. And even in my Pokemon bank, I have a specific box of these are Pokemon that were traded to me. And that's how I keep it. Uh, with like Will and Travis, I, I only trade with specific people that I know. Uh, but yeah, I never GTS or, or Wonder Trade until that is like not fixed, but more, I don't know, secure or something. I, I don't know what they would do to make it better, but I don't know. Plus, Wonder Trade does nothing for me. I, it, it's not exciting at all. I don't know. Getting like Pidgeys or Caterpie or Weedles, it doesn't do it for me. Another Michael writes in here. Hey, hello, SBJ and crew. Hopefully with all the news coming out, you have time for my dumb question. Most of the time, an adorable pet-sized critter evolves into a cool beast. Are there any instances of a Pokemon line getting cuter? And is that something you wish to see? I appreciate cuties more than coolies. So Frillish into Jellison. <laughs> so I'd love to see a hulking monster turn into a small squishy ball of kawaii. Looking for, look forward to your response, and thanks for the hours of entertainment you bring, Michael. Uh, the answer is no. Next. Well, I think Jellison. They never get smaller, but I, but I would argue, I don't think there are any examples of a Pokemon getting smaller upon evolution, but I think there are some final evolutions that are cuter. Like I think, like I just said, I think Jellison is cuter than Frillish. Gosh, uh, Al Altaria think... is cuter than Swablu, maybe? Yeah, I can see that. I think uh, Gorbis is way cuter than Clamperl. Yeah. Those are we two Pokemon names you would never expect on a Pokemon podcast. <laughs> oh, we forgot the, the, the absolute core of, of the whole concept there. Phoebus. Right into melodic, yeah. yeah. I think I think Slurpuff is also cuter than Swirlix. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I definitely agree with that, actually. But yeah, all of those are still examples of a Pokemon getting larger, even if it is getting cuter. Hmm. I think um, I can't remember. Uh, the middle, of the thing after Chespin, Chestnut, no, no, Quill Quilladin, Quilladin. I think Quilladin is cuter than Chespin. Quilladin is amazing. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Will, no. <laughs> nah, he is uh, pretty cute, though. He's like a little pillow. Vivalon. Vivalon is a beauty. Yeah. Spupa, yeah. not so much. But Spupa's fun to say. No, it's not. Okay. I, I, overruled, I guess. <laughs> I, some would argue that Meowstic is cuter than Esper. Mm, debatable. There's at least a debate to be had there. <laughs> Finn writes in, 
Hey, SBJ, Travis, Will, or any other people on the show, I really want to get into competitive battling, but I am scared that I will not do good. Get out while you still can. Make a fool of myself or some people thinking I'm weird. Hopefully you see this. Yours truly, Finn. Oh, so let me answer immediately because I have the most recent competitive experience out of anyone here. Uh, number one, you will make a fool of yourself. That's just how your first competitions go. Nobody walks in the door and is champion on the same day. So you go, you learn about how the game is played and what you need to do, and then you become better. And you practice and you learn how to play over time and you get better and better. And the more you play and the more effort you put into it, the better you become. Um, that's how it works. I, I know some great battlers, some people who have really great strategies and just incredible uh, thinking through the competition, very on point when they're in the competition and they still lose. And sometimes they still lose horribly and it just happens. And, you know, that's it, it ha can happen to anyone. So what you need to do, the number one rule, if you want to get into competitive battling and you have to get this tattooed over your heart in order to walk through the door, is to remember that you're doing this for fun. And that is the only reason that you're doing it. And as long as you can keep that in mind, every battle that you go to, you will have an enjoyable time. I can't add a lot. That's I think that's very well put. I would just also add, learn from the people you play against. Um, what what do they do differently? What sort of decisions do they like when when they do something that you don't expect and it turns out to be in their favor? Well, try to figure out what's going through their head or ask them after. Why did you make that switch? Why did you choose that move? That sort of thing. A little yes. less uh, inspirational than than Will's uh, advice, but it, but it's true. If you're purely looking for improvement. Um, ask other people. What do you do? Yeah. 75% of the people will be happy to talk about their strategy and everything with you after the battle. Absolutely. 30% yeah. of the time, 50% of the people will like to help you out after a battle. Uh, my only advice is that there's a whole new metagame coming with Sun and Moon, so it's actually probably a great time to jump on that battling wagon when the yeah. competitive wagon, when Sun and Moon comes out. I wouldn't worry about like the current format or anything right now. Just I mean, you, you you could look into it, but strategies and Pokemon and everything's going to change with Sun and Moon, so you got some time to think and maybe find other people that will go in with it, uh, go in on battling with you, so you guys can all get better together. Uh, we'll do one more question, then we'll do our Pokemon of the Week real quick. Oh, man, there are so many emails. I'm so sorry, guys. I won't delete your emails. We'll try to do another email show. <laughs> We'll try to do another email show after this. If there are no, if there's no Pokemon news within the next, you know, week, which there's supposed to be maybe something on September 6th. Correct. I don't know how big that is, though. So if it's just like four or five new Pokemon, maybe we'll just jump to doing more emails. Um, but we'll do this last email. And then uh, Travis has a move set for our Pokemon of the week here. This one's from Jose. One of the best things about D&D &D Pokemon is trying to guess which Pokemon the DM is describing, and during battle, it helps a lot when SBJ or Travis call out when they roll a hit. Favorite moment of mine is when Jeff was choosing the doors and he wanted to avoid conflict. It made me anxious, frustrated, and excited at the same time. This podcast always makes me feel. Anyways, I would love to see a season two or three. Here are some questions. Obviously, this is uh, in reference to our Dungeons and Dragonites podcast, which... I actually pulled this email for a transition, so we'll get to that. 
So he has a question for each of the people there. Uh, but since it's only Travis and myself. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. It says, to SBJ, how did you feel about the party splitting up? Were you open to combat with your teammates more? Were you open to combat with your teammates if that came to it? Um, so I don't have a lot of experience with D&D. But what I... If, if you have listened to our D&D podcast, or if you haven't, my character in that is very, very self-centered uh, and, and really only cares about himself. Most of the time, the scapegoat is that uh, I'm in a lot of pain, so I can't participate in a fight. Uh, when, when the party was split, and I was left with Travis, actually... I was excited because I thought what Greg was doing of going back and forth between the real parties was interesting in a story aspect, and I think it it conveyed that that way through the podcast to like jump to this this group to jump to that group, uh, and it definitely gave gave me more time to think because I knew the focus wasn't on me and Travis at the time. Uh, would I have fought or tried to help? I don't I don't think so, only because. That definitely wasn't what my character would have done. Um, but I was trying to convey in the story that Travis and I did not get along. And that near the end, there would be something that would happen where we would actually see eye to eye and at least leave on good terms. So I was really my character was purposely trying to make Travis upset. And I think that came across. Um, but I guess you can get Travis's view on that. Yeah, I think you, I think that SBJ was the perfect, and I'm talking about the character SBJ now. I think SBJ was the perfect type of person to make Wendy furious <laughs> um, because she's so particular and um, always wants to be, always thinks that she has the best idea of the group. And when someone acts independently without consulting her specifically, that's a cardinal sin so 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 i think that lent itself to drama pretty well and i and i think i mean it's been a while since we ended that season but if memory serves i think we we ended the arc with those characters pretty well that there was like a mutual respect that we earned um i have mixed feelings about combat within the party generally in D D because and i and i would even go when I so I'll just say a house rule that I use when I run games. I hate when players try to persuade or intimidate or even do some sort of physical contest against each other because when a dice roll determines if you're convinced by someone's reasoning, I find that's very counterproductive for character development. Like if I'm trying to convince Steve's character that we should go left instead of right rolling a die is the least compelling way to resolve that like actually having the characters talk through it is more interesting and I think the same goes for for combat most of the time so um what I what I do in my games is I I just say if some if another character is trying to convince you Keep in mind how convincing of a character 
convincing of a person that character is generally and decide for yourself do you think your character is convinced by that as opposed to rolling dice to figure it out and i kind of lean the same way with combat within the party i tend to not have those scenes play out in dice rolls figuring out who wins or loses based on damage and just say like just sort of role play out how the combat would go because that can be because that's what a combat between players is is always going to be about is about the conflicting ideas so um so if you're if if that's the way you're going to to figure out which character which character's idea is going to um be successful i think it's more interesting to to work out those conflicts in role play even if the characters are going to be fighting with each other physically does that make sense yeah well to me it does cool the question for you travis was yeah did wendy ever get good i think i think i think i think she got pretty good (laughs) yeah i think so i'm i'm excited because i'm i don't know if and you can you can cut this out if i'm giving too much away for next season but i will not be playing wendy in the next season and i'm excited for that because Wendy grew so much in in season one that I wouldn't know what to do with her in season two because she filled the fulfilled the arc that I wanted to do with that character. And this gives me time to think about, okay, how does that person continue to grow? And so I can play this fun, a little, a bit of an easier character, a bit of a sillier character for season two. And, and, uh, and in the meantime, if, if Wendy is going to come back in some future, I, I can have time to think about how that character continues to get good. Yeah, I wanted, uh, I wanted to bring this question up because it leads into some announcements. So we're closing at Super... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so the first one is uh, there will be a season two of Dungeons and Dragon Knights that will actually take place on September 13th. And so that'll be streamed live on Twitch, and then it will go into podcast form later that week. It will actually be a, uh, a six-episode series, and there will be some new characters. So we will have two new players, which I will not reveal at this time. I want to keep some surprises for everyone. Uh, Travis will be returning, and he will be playing a different character. Uh, Logan will be returning. And he will be playing Stant again. And then Greg will be hosting. Uh, I will not, myself and Jeff, who were in the first season, we will actually not be in season two. I will still be there in, in, in physical form because I will be running the show and running the Twitch. And I'll actually probably be monitoring comments a lot more. But a different party. So that's exciting, I think. And I know they've uh, they've been the group that has been put together for season two has, have been talking for over two months now in in a chat and watching that grow and develop and everything is great. I do want to say the two new people playing it's their first time ever playing D and D. I think it's important that if we're going to do this, we want to appeal to as many people as possible. So I think a great a reason why season one was was great because it was the first time myself and Jeff played D anD D, 
So we were asking questions that probably listeners were also asking if they've never played D&D. And I think that's a great way to introduce more people to that form of audio and that that game, I, I would say, too. The other thing I want to say is that we just released three new episodes. It's a three-part series that we recorded live at Gen Con. So that has the same group from season one, except no Travis, because Travis could not make it out to Gen Con. <laughs> we did add three new people there. We added uh, Micah, uh, who, of course, has been on the show. He's played D&D uh, more than enough outside of uh, of of our show, and I think that comes across pretty well that he was a, an experienced D and D player. His character is fantastic. It's really it's really great. My significant other Irene, uh, first time playing D and D for her, and then we had Kay, a big super fan of the show. He was there, so we played with him. So bigger party. It was recorded locally. I actually think the audio turned out really well. I spent a lot of time with the episodes, adding sound effects, adding music. Uh, big thanks to Nick in our Slack. He made all custom music for Dungeons & Dragonites. So all that background music and everything uh, was his music. And we'll actually probably make that available to people for them to download and use. Truly yeoman's work. But I, I don't think Will listened to season one, but I think you listened to the Gen Con stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Pardon me. I listened to all of season one, sir. Oh, did you? I thought you didn't. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right here, if, if you're new to D&D or you haven't listened to the other podcast, I, would, I, I personally think that the, the Gen Con special is better than season one. I would say not better, but it is a small investment and it is absolutely hilarious. If you are I... William Anderson puts a 100% guarantee that you will at least chuckle once per episode, if not multiple times. I mean, the, the Gen Con special also... was better because Travis wasn't on it. No, I'm just... yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, I, the Gen Con special is fun because it's more a more polished product and it's more lighthearted than, than season one was. And we were sort of just trying to figure out how we even do this show, do that show with season one. So yeah, there was some growing pains. There were some growing pains. Figuring out the dealies. Um, but I, I will say Irene, Micah and Kay are all fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So they, they, it, it all came together really well and it's a fun story. It's, it's dorky as all heck, but <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's three episodes, three and a half hours long, if you combine all three episodes. And that actually comes with a name change for the podcast. So this was something that was debated for a while, but I wasn't the biggest fan of the D&D podcast being called Dungeons and Dragon Knights. And there was a lot of reasons, and I could go down a list of those reasons why. But I decided to change the name. We are changing the name of the podcast to Mythical. So mythicalpodcast.com will take you to the SoundCloud page that has all the episodes. The Gen Con special in Season 1. The Dungeons & Dragon Knights isn't going away. It's actually the subtitle for Season 1. 
Who would have guessed there was both Dungeons and Dragon Knights in Season 1? Season 1 is just simply called Mythical Dungeons and Dragon Knights. After talking with Greg, after with the name changes and everything, for the first time I'm proud to announce that season... I'm actually really proud to announce. Like this, I'm very excited for the, the naming scheme and everything we're doing with the show. That Season 2 will be called Mythical Mazes and Magic Harps. Oh, that's so good. I like it. And so, again, that will that will happen on September 13th, live on Twitch, I think 7 p.m. Central Time. We'll have more information next week for that, but I just wanted to put that on uh, everyone's radar to come out. If you haven't already, if you haven't given Mythical a chance now, it's weird calling it Mythical. If you haven't given Mythical a chance now, I would advise you to check out the Gen Con special. It's the first episode's an hour, the second episode's an hour and a half, the third episode's an hour. I think it's an absolute treat. I have never spent so much time editing podcasts and making sure that it was something polished and something really special. Usually in just a news show, you don't really add sound effects or dramatic music. Well, I guess we do for Pokemon of the Week, but <laughs> I, think, I think it's something special. So uh, I would... Uh, I would suggest that you check that out if you were looking for some more content to consume and if you like the sound of my voice but yeah uh so season two september 13th i just closed my calendar yep september 13th mazes and magic harps i think that's that was my transition all right (laughs) so pokemon of the week this week's pokemon is snorlax Travis has oh, yeah, a move set. I suppose I should read something about Snorlax first. It was funny Go as I had it. the press release up, but then I closed it. Snorlax is a cat. Dude, have we ever done Snorlax? I think so. Eh, who knows? Probably. I think I remember talking about Curselax, which I will again. All right. After 600 billion episodes, we've got to have done them all once. Yeah. So Snorlax is the sleeping Pokemon. Uh, also, fun fact, 87% male, 12.5% female. There's some math there that I got wrong. A Snorlax is often found in mountains and forests. It wakes up only to eat and seldom for exercise. It is not a picky eater, as its strong stomach allows it to eat even moldy food without feeling any ill effects. When hungry... It is not satisfied until it consumes 900 American pounds of food, 400 pound kilos of Canadian food. Norlax is doctile enough to let children and small Pokemon bounce on its large stomach. By the way, if you want to email us any questions, uh, that is sbj at pkmncast.com. I forgot to mention that during our email segment. <laughs> And also That's an interesting I, fact about Snorlax. <laughs> I was going to say, if uh, anybody needs a translation, in American English, docile is docile. Perfect. Perfect. Also, to email, you can go to PokemonPodcast.com slash contact. Fill out that way, that form, too. Emails go to the same place. I'll get better at the email thing. We'll read more. You'll never get good at pronouncing words. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Travis has a moveset? I do. I'm going to do two because... Snorlax is so famous for the curse set that I should go over it, but also it's kind of boring. Well, Curselax is a is a fun set, but it would be 
it wouldn't be very helpful if that's all I gave people. So I'm going to give sort of a bonus half set that'll make more sense later. So Curse Lax is a move set for Snorlax. That's Sleep Talk, Rest, uh, usually Body Slam, and Curse. It's incredibly annoying because you keep using Curse to increase your defense, which bolsters one of your only weaknesses of Snorlax, which is physical defense. You have high HP and high special defense, so you use Curse a whole bunch. Uh, it decreases your speed, which you already don't care about, but increases your attack and defense, and then you roll over them with uh, Body Slam, and then when you're about to die, you just rest and sleep talk, and it goes on for an eternity. Fun set. It's very effective, especially if you've taken out a few of your opponent's Pokemon already, and you can set up something where it tends to be good in the in the later stages of the game where they don't have a lot of options to switch and, and counter it. Thick Fat is a fantastic ability because it gives a normal-type Pokemon some actual resistances. I mean, I realize that ghost immunity is important, but being resistant to fire and ice is very cool. Then Leftovers is a good ability, or a good item, rather, for this type of um, tanky set. Um, and then you'll want um, to put your EV, invest your EVs in um, to your HP and defenses. Um, I'm just cheating and looking at the recommended one, which is complicated. I imagine it's it's to prevent one or two KOs from very specific threats, but I'll, I'll trust that this person who wrote down this curse like set knows what they're saying uh, 188 hp 144 defense and 176 uh, special defense i'm getting this from smogon want to give you something a little more though because that's something you probably already know i realized when looking up what else we could do with snorlax that it i mean a lot of pokemon get this but it's a perfect candidate for the move last resort which is an incredibly silly move i'll give you that it's a move uh, with very high base power, 100% accuracy. It's a physical move, but it's, what would you call it? It's downside is that you can only use it if all of your, the Pokemon's other moves in their moveset have also been used. Uh, so you Used up completely, right? Or No, no just, no, no, just, no, use, just, just use just once. once. Yep. Yeah, okay. My second silly, probably not viable moveset that I'm going to recommend is curse and last resort and then two blank slots <laughs> because you just use curse and then you've got an attack and defense boost and then you keep using a 100% accurate 140 base power same type attack boosted last resort and you have a good time it's probably not very good but you get to use a move that is considered gimmicky even on Ambipom, which is the only Pokemon that can kind of use it. So, hey, you get to have a little fun. I like it. Sounds good to me. It's probably bad, but hey, who cares? Shiny Snorlax is your... Wow, Snorlax's page is really long. He's a very popular Pokemon cat. He is. He is a royal blue instead of a teal blue. That's about it. He's just royal, just a, regal, a richer blue. In the Pokemon Stadium series, Snorlax open their eyes when they faint. In the Poke in Pokemon Snap, Snorlax stands up and dances to music when the Pokeflute is used. 
in Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum are the only games where which Snorlax is in the regional Pokedex and not and is not encountered as an obstacle blocking a route. I didn't know that. In HeartGold, Soul Silver, if a player interacts with Snorlax, that uh, with a Snorlax that is walking with them while at Mount Silver, the message Snorlax is fe- feeling very eager will appear. This is due to Red who is also on Mount Silver, Silver, owning a Snorlax as well. Huh. While the player's on Mount Silver, unique messages will also appear if the player is walking with a Pikachu or a Charizard. I didn't know that. That's a cool fact. Snorlax has the highest base stat total of any Pokemon that can hatch from an egg. Uh, Generation 5 is the only generation in which Snorlax is not sleeping in the overworld. In Pokemon Gold and Silver, Snorlax is programmed to learn the to learn charm through breeding, but no other Pokemon in the monster group can legitimately learn it to pass it down in an egg move. Huh. In Generation 3, Snorlax inherits the move from Bulbasaur by chain breeding. And finally, Snorlax is the heaviest normal type Pokemon. Is he even heavier than Slaking? I think so. I thought mm. Snorlax was heavier than Wailord, too. No. Snorlax is... Uh, Impossible. Uh, is 1,014 pounds. Slacking is 287 pounds. Snorlax has 750 pounds on that boy. Huh. Well, I have this on Snorlax. Uh, it also opens its eyes when you use pulverizing pancake and that look that it gives is straight out of the exorcist. <laughs> it is terrifying. Uh, also going back to our D and D podcast, I'm aware that Pokemon names are not plural. So putting the S on Dragonites and putting the S on Magikarp is intentional because when you say well, like, now that we got that out of the way. Cause like when you say plural Snorlax, you just say Snorlax. You won't, you wouldn't say right, Snorlaxes. I just want to get that out of the way. I know you don't add S's. I'm aware. Uh, yeah, Snorlax. That's, he's a Pokemon. I like Snorlax a lot. Munchlax is cool, too. They're both, they're both just fun, fun folks. Yeah, Munchlax is really cool, too. I think out of all like the quote-unquote baby Pokemon, I feel like Munchlax stands out the best and holds its ground the best. I would agree. Like, no one ever brings up Iggly Buff ever. <laughs> All right. That wraps up our show for you guys today. Hopefully, from now until the end of PAX, no dramatic Pokemon news comes out. Let me go through the list here. New D&D coming out September 13th called Mythical. Look for that. I think the names are updated already in iTunes, but Dungeons and Dragonites, if you search for that, should still get you to either the SoundCloud or the iTunes page. Both of those should still work, so don't fret there. Uh, There are new YouTube videos up where I review stuff. I review plushes and stamps and other things. So if you're interested in that, youtube.com slash pkmncast. I try to keep them under like 10 minutes short. They're supposed to be funny. They're supposed to be like a dry humor. So I don't know. People in Slack seem to like them, so... If you want to see me review things from PokemonCenter.com, I do that. So that's kind of cool. I will be at PAX. I already said that. But by the time you hear that, it'll be over. So goodbye. We have a Patreon. If you want to support us, Patreon.com slash It's Super Effective. Uh, I just updated the page there. So it kind of lays out guidelines. There's new uh, tiers that you can back. 
So that's a thing. Leave us a review in iTunes. We're trying to get to 700. We're at 633. Trying to get through all the housekeeping. If you want to send us an email, sbj at pkmncast.com or pokemonpodcast.com slash contact. Otherwise, Travis, where can they find you? Twitter.com slash the Travis W. Will, where can they find you? Twitter.com slash wash in the sink. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcasts. Otherwise, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are super, super effective. Super stoked Spark Surfers. What a dirty dog. Chick, chick.